I just learned something this week, and I'm almost embarrassed, but I want to share it with you because it sort of is a, an example of some stuff. I decided last Monday, have you ever heard of No Shave November? All right, most of you have heard of No Shave November, or some people call it Movember, where you grow a mustache. Now, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know it was a real thing. I thought it was like, I honestly thought it was a Minnesota thing, guys going hunting, guys going in the woods, you know, and we're going to grow our beards and become manly men and all these other things. That's, honestly, that's what I, I, what I thought it was. I didn't know that it was an actual thing. I Googled it, and I came up with Movember first and then November, and, 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 and for the unenlightened, which I think might only be me, because um, <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm not going in the woods. I, I, I'll shave, you know. Shelly said it's no, no shave November, and, and and, uh, and December and January, February, March, April, you know, for, for her. But anyway, um, and, and so, uh, and a lot of women said amen. So, um, and so, uh, oh, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, she got it right away. So uh, uh, my whole point in that is that, so I, I Googled it, found out that No Shave November along with Movember uh, is actually a, a, an awareness for men's health. And, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, prostate cancer and, uh, you know, all these different things, you know, mental health and suicide awareness. And you're supposed to like, for the money that you don't spend shaving or doing whatever you do, you're supposed to then give that to an organization that can, uh, you know, help with men's stuff, I guess. And so I didn't even, and I don't know that I'm going to make it through the whole November. It might be like no shave week. And, um, I I woke up yesterday morning for those of you, (laughs) see, we all saw this. I, I look out at my backyard and it's, you know, it's white. And then there's a few leaves sticking up and then I'm looking in the mirror it's like man I look like my backyard it's all white but then there's a few little black patches of hair you know it's like yeah yeah we all got that feeling going on it's like a uh, some people look like Santa Claus or Moses uh, one or the other I'm not sure I have to say this Pastor John had a picture on Facebook uh, uh, he shot a nice deer and he's holding it up and then I, I don't know I see Paula I don't know Jim if, if Jim is here but Jim man I tell you what he put a gem on Pastor John's timeline of uh, look it looks like Santa Claus even shot his own deer so anyway <laughs> so anyway my question this morning is sorry for those of you that are guests this morning we are a family church we like to take care of family business and tease each other and all that good stuff but my thought this morning is how often do we do stuff without knowing why how often do we do things, not, not like, oh man, why did I do that? But, but we just keep doing something because we've always done it. How often do we do things, but we really haven't examined why we're doing them? How many of you are, are, are done with Christmas shopping? Anybody? Ooh, a few. You know, there's prayer for that. That can be cast out of you. Yeah, right, yeah. I was kind of thinking, I, I only have to buy one thing, you know, generally, because Shelly takes care of everything else, you know. So that doesn't count. If you're more like me, that you only have to buy one thing, that doesn't count if you're already done. There was a guy that, that uh, <laughs> he said, what, somebody asked him, said, what'd you get your wife for Christmas? La- what'd you get your wife for Christmas? He goes, well, I did, she didn't use the gift that I gave her last year. And he goes, well, what'd you get her? He said, well, I got her a funeral plot. Anyway, so... <laughs> Ouch, all right, now we're moving on to the message. So how often do we do things without knowing why? (laughs) That's terrible, terrible, Pastor Brian. Bad pastor, exactly. I was, it wasn't me, it was somebody else. I just was merely repeating what somebody else said. But how often do we do things without knowing why? The reason I ask that is because Black Friday's coming up. And I was, I'm not a, Black Friday fan, and now Black Friday is like, you know, it's like every Friday's Black Friday. There's all kinds of deals, all kinds of stuff going on. But was anybody, any of you big participants in Black Friday when it was actually Black Friday? 
Ooh, quite a few of you were. And there were some great deals, good stuff. Well, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Black Friday started in Philadelphia. And it didn't start out as Black Friday. It started out as Big Friday. And what was happening is that there was the Army-Navy football game, uh, you know, at Thanksgiving. And so after that, there were a bunch of people that were in Philadelphia. You know, all these fans came in. And so the retailers got together and said, let's make Big Friday. But the problem was they were all kind of rowdy and some of them were drunk or still drunk or whatever. And so the police department, Philadelphia police department, was calling it Black Friday. Well, when, when all of these things began to happen, other retailers noticed that, that it's like, hey, this is a good day. This this is a good thing. Let's, let's make this. And so rather than call it Big Friday like Philadelphia had been, they called it Black Friday. And for some reason that stuck and that became, you know, a national thing now. And now it's, you know, it's, it's not as much fun for those that actually did Black Friday. But you didn't, maybe didn't know that, but you're celebrating something that was Big Friday. Then there was a, I, I, this is something I participated in and I didn't know I was participating in it, but it was to combat the commercialism that was going on at that time. There's a buy nothing Friday. And, and, and so I, I was participating in an, a thing that I didn't know I was participating in because I wasn't going anywhere on Friday, except maybe find something to eat. That's about it. And so I was participating in an event, and now I'm sort of a little bit torn because I, I, I'm not a big fan of Black Friday, but I'm not a big fan of being a part of Don't Buy Nothing either. I mean, how un-American can that possibly be? And so, again, the question remains, how often do we do something when we don't really know why we're doing it? My favorite example of this, Shelly, uh, she has this thing. When she comes in the house, she puts her purse on top of the refrigerator, which, and I don't know where the discussion even came from exactly. I know it was a little bit aggravating at times because there's a cupboard up there. You got to move stuff. You get it. Then you can finally get into the cupboard sort of a thing. But her, her purse was always there. And, and, and she got curious. And so she, and it may have been just when we were, t- we've been talking about tradition at different times and things and how we, uh, you know, just because we've always done it, we continue to do it. And and so, uh, I don't know if you ask your mom first, if you ask your sisters first, but she asked her sisters, how many, do, do any of you put your purse on top of the refrigerator? One of them did. They put their purse on top, and she said, why? Well, I don't know, I guess because mom always put her purse on top of the refrigerator. She finally asked her mom why she put her purse on top of the refrigerator. Or actually, she said, where do you put your purse on? She goes, I stick it on top of the fridge. Why do you do that? Why do you put your purse on? She said, well, I put my purse on top of the fridge to keep you kids out of it because you're always getting for, <laughs> digging for money or digging for gum. And so here were her daughters now taking their purse and sticking it on top of the refrigerator for no good reason. They didn't know exactly why, but it, you know, it was just something that they learned. And so how often do we do things without knowing why we do them? We could talk about tradition. Jesus talked about, you know, your traditions have made void the power of God. And, and, and we do things many times from tradition. We do things because we've, it's just what we've always done. And, and to vary from that doesn't even seem right. It doesn't seem like, like you know, that, that that's the thing that we should be doing. And so in the book of Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 43, uh, there, there's a great scripture and um, hang on just a second. There's a great scripture in, in Ezekiel chapter 43. And it says this in verse 10. I'm just going to read a, par- a portion of it from the King James. And I want to read it from the message because I think you will understand what it's saying. In Ezekiel 43.10, the very first part says, Thou son of man, show the house to the house of Israel. Show the house to the house of Israel. Show the house 
He was talking about God's house. Show the house to the people of the nation of Israel. The message says this in verse 10, son of man, tell the people of Israel all about the temple so they'll be dismayed by their wayward lives. Get them to go over the layout. That will bring them up short. Show them the whole plan of the temple, its ins and its outs, the proportions, the regulations, and the laws. Draw a picture so they can see the design and meaning and live by its design and its intent. He was saying, draw a picture, show them so they can see, first of all, that they're not living up to what they're supposed to be because they've lost sight of the design and they've lost sight of the intent. So show the house to the house. Let the house see what the house is supposed to look like. And in this series, this is what it looks like. That's some of the heart behind why we're doing what we're doing, why we're, we're t- taking the time to talk about some things. Because whether you go to a church or not, maybe this is your first time ever in, in a long time outside of Christmas, Easter, or a funeral or a wedding that you've been in a church. Whether somebody goes to a church or not, everybody has an opinion of a church. Everybody has an idea of what a church is and what a church isn't. Everybody has an idea of what a church is supposed to do and, and perhaps what it's not supposed to do. And there's a lot of criticism many times f- towards local churches. They should be more generous. Look at how they spend their money. Look at what they do. All of these other things. But very few people ask the question, why? Why should a church be generous? Why should a church care about the community? Why should a church care about what goes on outside of the walls rather than what goes on on the inside of the walls? Why should we care about other people? Why should we care about those things? And so in this series, this is what it looks like. There's a lot of expectations that the church has. I do, we do, you've heard us talk about growth track. There's four steps in growth track. And I teach the second step today. And and, and that's simply, it's really, I call it the why behind the what. The why behind, you know, we do church, but why? What's important to us? What is our values? Because I don't want us to lose sight of the, the why. There's a lot of great things that churches can do. There's a lot of worthwhile endeavors that a church can be involved in. But we say yes to some things and we say no to other things and it's designed, it's driven by perhaps our values and our ideals, why we do what we do because we don't have the resources to do everything. And so we try to do what we can do to make a difference in our world. And so the answer to why we do what we do is at the heart of Christianity, I believe. The answer to why we reach, the answer to why we stretch beyond ourselves, why we pray, why we believe, it isn't just so I get something. The answer is really at the heart of what Christianity is about. And, and just like in the Old Testament in Ezekiel, when the, the Spirit of God prophesied through him and said, you know, Son of Man, show the house to the house of Israel, God sent an example. In a couple of weeks, we'll be celebrating, kicking off a series, a Christmas series, in a month and a half, we'll be celebrating Christmas, the birth of Christ. Jesus became God's picture to you and I so we could understand and know God. Humanity had drifted so far away from what God was like and understanding who God was because the religious systems of the day had misrepresented God to the people in such a way that they didn't understand. They didn't know what God was like. And so God sent Jesus to be our example. Now, how many of you know what the golden rule is? Not the he who has the gold makes the rules, but the, the real golden rule. All right, how, go ahead and say it out loud. 
Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Exactly. Do un- we want to treat other people the way we ourselves want to be treated. How many of you know that's a good rule? That's just a good thing to keep in mind. That's just a good thing for us to always remember that sometimes people are going through stuff. People have good intentions like you have good intentions, but they fall a little bit short of those intentions. And so we should treat others graciously. We should treat others with love and respect and honor because that's how we want to be treated. But can I tell you that there's a higher rule than that? There's a higher rule than the golden rule. We could call it like the platinum rule or something. In John chapter 13 and verse 14, I'd love to take the time to go through all of it, but in John 13, 14, this is where right before uh, uh, the, the crucifixion of Christ. And he's meeting with his disciples and they've come together for the Passover meal and, and Jesus washes their feet. And, and it's big discussion that, that goes on. He's talking about servanthood and all of these things. But in verse 14 of John 13, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Now, washing feet was one of the most menial tasks that you could do. None of the disciples wanted to wash anybody else's feet because they felt it was beneath their position, their dignity. Somebody else should do that. I'm better than that. And then Jesus stepped into that void and he washed the feet of his disciples and all of the disciples together, I think, kind of collectively went, "Uh uh-oh, we really messed up here. And so Jesus said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, that is higher. Jesus raised the bar from do unto others as you would have them do to you to now saying, I want you to treat other people the way I've treated you. And I think Matthew, the tax collector, he might have put his head down and he's thinking a little bit, wait a minute, man. Jesus offered me the chance of a lifetime to follow him. Here I was, a tax collector that everybody hated. I had no hope and I had no future, but now I'm linked with this group of people that believes that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. The other guys are like, man, we're just ignorant fishermen. And here we are having the opportunity of a lifetime. Do to others as I have done to you. Jesus gave a chance and an opportunity to those who really had no chance and no opportunity. He said, do unto others as I have done unto you. And, and, And this statement, this example is at the heart of what Christianity really, really is. We do what we do not because we want to. We do what we do not because we've prayed about it. We do what we do not because we feel a goose bump or, 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 or we have an emotional response. We do what we do because God first loved us. God first reached to us. God was merciful to us and because he was merciful to me as he's done to me, now I want to be merciful to somebody else. I'm going to do that for somebody else. And when Jesus said this, it raised the bar of Christianity. It raised the bar of expectation. It raised the bar on all of us. Do to others as I have done to you. From that point forward, the example is that our behavior towards others is to be governed by God's behavior towards us. He loved us first. He loved us first. We love him now. And I think we misunderstand the nature of love. I've said this many times uh, when I get into this because I, for the most part, human natural love, it is based on the one who, who, who you know, if you, if you merit my love, then I'm going to love you. If you do what I like and you're pleasing to me, then I'm going to love you. But that's not how God loved us. He loved us when we weren't lovable. 
He loved us when there was nothing good in us. And because he first loved me, now I can love him. Love is always based on the character of the one doing the loving. Because none of us, none of us deserved God's love. God's love is based on himself. And now he's saying, I've put my life into you. And I want you to love others the way that I've loved you. And, and, and your love for others isn't based on them. It is based on you. Woo, Pastor Ryan, that's really good preaching and teaching. Hallelujah. <laughs> In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, man, I love this. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. Man, we need to be convinced of this. We need to know this. We need to embrace this truth because God has been rich in his mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. You deserved punishment. You deserved death. You deserved those things, but God was merciful to you. Why? Because he loves you so much. He loves you so much that Jesus became the vehicle. Jesus became the, the, the punishment and he got, Jesus got what you deserved. You deserved death. You deserved those things, but Jesus took those things. God's judgment was poured out on Christ in your behalf. Woo! He is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, precious love of God. Hallelujah. It chases me down. <laughs> Fights until I'm found. That's a beautiful thing of the grace of God. We sometimes think that grace is lowering a standard. No, grace is something that just never gives up. Grace is always reaching. Grace is always there. Grace is always waiting for you to respond to him. And it is encouraging and it is drawing and God went to the greatest depths, if you will, to, to, to bring that mercy to pass in, in the sacrifice of his son. And so everything about our Christian behavior is motivated because of what God first did for us. He's been extravagant in his love and grace towards us and that's the way that we should be towards other people. And once again, I want to say to this congregation, and again, if you've not been here for, if you're relatively new here to joy, then, then, then some of what I'm about to say to you may not make a lot of sense. Uh, others of you that have been around here, you're well aware, uh, at least I hope you're well aware of, of, of kind of where we've been over the last couple of years. And I, I want to give a great big thank you once again to this congregation. And we've been talking about this and preaching about this. Everybody can do more than somebody can. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been giving you examples. This is really what it looks like. This is what it looks like when a church embraces the gospel and embraces the commands of Christ and works together when the circles and the rows come together to create something dynamic. And so I've got another video that I want you to watch and then we're gonna talk about it for a little bit and, uh, and let you in on a couple of, I think, exciting things. So go, go ahead and... We wanted to do something in a tangible way, and, um, and so what we finally arrived at was uh, we heard you have two break rooms, and so we have two toaster ovens, 
and uh, I googled top 10 toaster ovens and this particular <laughs> model came up as the number one toaster oven in two of the searches. And then we've got my favorite device, a Keurig coffee pot and uh, a couple of cases of coffee, 200 cups of coffee and I understand you guys have about 80 people that are employed so this will last a day. Um, <laughs> and so uh, what we're going to do is uh, we'll set it up uh, for this for the rest of this year and the rest of 2018. We'll make sure that at least two cases of coffee are sent to you guys. These folks lead a small group that we call uh, Make a Difference, and they do a lot of different projects, a lot of different things. And so uh, we're working on a way that I think this Thanksgiving for sure, you guys will be here Christmas. Uh, we're going to bring in food and uh, just some way to bless the officers and the, everybody the staff who's here and uh, let them know that they're not being forgotten. And the most important thing that we want you guys to know, and if you want to pass it on, is however, however would be appropriate for you. Um, as a church, we pray for you guys. And uh, we know that uh, what you get to do and what you've signed up to do is more than a job. It's a, I believe it's partly a calling, but we also know that the weight of it, um, the care of it can get heavy. Our heart a year ago was because of things that we had seen just nationally that uh, our feeling was that uh, those that serve and protect weren't being appreciated like they should be. And so we wanted in a small way to, to let you guys know in a tangible way that you're loved, you're appreciated, and uh, what you do is really, really important and valuable to us. And so uh, hopefully whenever you have a cup of coffee or warm up some toast, uh, you'll think of us and you'll know that people are praying for you. All right? So here's what we're going to do as a, as a church congregation. What we want to do for you guys is um, we're going to send you away, all expense paid trip to somewhere warm and sunny and beachified sometime when it is like 20 below here in the big river falls. Give yourselves a hand. That last one is near and dear to my heart, but before I talk about that, I want to just mention to you, it was way more difficult to bless the Benton County Sheriff's Department than we ever imagined a year ago. Uh, everything that we, we really, you know, when we first, Pastor John and I met with uh, Sheriff Heck, and, and so we're, we're talking to him, and, and we're like, you know, we... Our church wants to bless you guys, and we're looking for some options of ways that we can do that. And he goes, well, you know, if you want to bring in a cheese and meat tray or something, that would be great. And we're like, well, you know, we're thinking a lot bigger than a cheese and meat tray. It's like we could bring in a cow and, and, and Wisconsin or something, you know. So, um, <laughs> so uh, it, it, but everything that we came up with, it was like, no, you can't do that because it would, 
It, it could look like we're trying to bribe them if they received gifts. I wanted to give them all gift cards and say thank you, but that we couldn't do that. And every, we, we came up with several ideas. We were like, you know, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll rent a couple of buses and we'll take you to a Twins game. Well, we can't really do that. We'll get you a beautiful massage chair. It's like five, six thousand. Well, I don't know if taxpayers came in and saw that, then they'd be like, you know, why are you spending money on this? And I'm like, all oh, right, man, oh man, you know, sort of. It's like, forget it. You're too hard to bless. It's really almost to put the point where I got to. And so they Finally, they have two break rooms, and you saw what we did, and we're going to continue some things with, with uh, providing coffee for them, and then our Make a Difference small group is going to be, uh, uh, and, and really that was one of the sheriff's hearts. His heart was, you know, we have, we have officers and staff that are here on holidays, Christmas, and Thanksgiving. They'd rather be at home with their families, but they can't because we have to be here, and if somebody could bring something in, and so we're going to be doing that and, and helping with that, and so thank you for doing that. I know that it made a difference, at least to those that were there. They were like, so why are you doing this again? I said, well, let me tell you why, you know, kind of a thing. <clears throat> it's because we believe in generosity. We, we want you to know that we love you. And, and, and we, we laid out a year ago a couple of different things, and you've seen videos if you've been here over the last couple of weeks. We, we as a church, you know, we, we do what we call Joy to the World, and um, Joy to the World is, is an opportunity for us to discover that everybody can do more than somebody can. Everybody can do more than somebody can. And so for the low, low cost of $49.95, we, get, we try to get everybody involved. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that, some, some things that are going on and, and, and that we're working on. Um, but the last one, blessing a, a church and a pastor, that I've shared with you sort of my journey, if you will. And, and, and I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't maybe sound a little bit self-serving, but I believe this. I believe that God's plan is for the local church to thrive. I believe that God's plan is for the local church to be a blessing to its community, to be a blessing to those that attend it. I believe that God's plan A is the local church and nothing else is, is really relevant in that sense. And so there's, there's that piece of the puzzle. And then I know that there's a lot of pastors that are under-resourced, understaffed, overworked and over-pressured and stuff like that. And, and, and so <clears throat> it was my heart. And I thank you for letting me be involved in that. But um, it's really us as a church that, that we were able to go up to Thief River Falls with a team, bless them uh, on their 25th anniversary. Uh, uh, as you notice, Pastor Tim, Teresa, and their team, you know, they, they took care of all of the children's ministries so that the children's workers that were normally there so faithfully, they could go into the service. And, and then we, we blessed them with a, with, a, with a great offering. Actually, the church bookkeeper came up to me. I mean, she almost, she's an older lady. And, and for me to say older lady, that's old. And so, because I'm old. And so she came running up to me almost literally and she was like thank you so much thank you so much for that gift and I'm all you know praise God I'm, she was I'm the bookkeeper I'm like oh I see why now <laughs> you know just suddenly the light went on I'm not the brightest bulb on the tree but I eventually get there and so <laughs> and, and so thank you for that so much now here's here's a couple of things a couple of weeks ago well, a year ago, we said there's four things that, that we want to accomplish uh, this year through Joy to the World. One was to get, continue to get better as a church, and we had a great testimony of a family that over the years that we've seen God work in their life, some really cool things, and, and, and then to continue to do community outreaches and continue to bless in this area, and, and, and you saw some of that generosity. We wanted to bless the uh, uh, the, the sheriff's department in a tangible way, and we were able to do that. And, and so that was all uh, uh, last year. And, and if, 
there's been some advertising that has gone out. You know, we do Joy to the World every year. We have anyway. And, and, and I've always wanted to kind of keep it like, I want us to really be thinking outside the church, even though investing in us as a church to get better as a church maybe is, is internal. Um, and so trying to get to a point here. For those of you that are here and are here regularly, uh, you've maybe seen some advertising. You're familiar with our campaign. Actually, some of you, we've had a few people that have already given to Joy to the World for next year. Some of you continue to, I mean, you just constantly are giving to Joy to the World. So thank you for doing that. We appreciate that. Uh, uh, we have advertising that has gone out that next Sunday is supposed to be our Joy to the World uh, offering where we receive our offering. And I've, I've, got, I've kind of put the brakes on that a little bit, pumped the brakes a little bit because there's some things that are going on that, that, that I just I, I, I can't share with you exactly yet. It's, it's kind of cool stuff. It's going to be a great testimony. So here's what we're doing. Next week is the end of this series. This is what it looks like. It was supposed to be our Joy to the World offering where we ask all of you to give how much? And once again, I'm pleased to announce that there has not been any price increase at all. We are able to do what we need to do. I mean, for the low price of $49.95, we can be a blessing in, in several significant ways. So next Sunday was supposed to be that. We're not going to receive it next week. The following week, two weeks from today, we have the Teen Challenge Choir, and they rock. They, I, and I, don't, I never mean this disrespectfully, but they are the worst, best-sounding choir you will ever hear. The, you don't listen to them because they are great musicians. You listen to them because of their heart and because of the testimony of what God's done in their life. So they will be here on the, I think that's like the 25th or 6th of November. And then the December 3rd, we're launching a new series that we're calling Indescribable. Indescribable is about, well, it's about the Christmas story. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And on that particular Sunday, the first Sunday of December, we're going to ask all of us to come together and give our $49.95, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the, I think, really neat testimonies. You can only connect dots by looking backwards, but I, I'm really excited about what God is, I think, doing because of what because of our faithfulness over the last couple of years to look beyond ourselves, beyond our church and into our community and into the area and God's using our influence and God's using us to pave the way for a lot of different things. And so I want to finish with this thought. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because this is really what it looks like and this is why it's important. In verse 17 it says, Tell those who are rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'd kind of like to do that. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Go up to some snide rich person. But here's the thing. I, I, I don't know if you've ever recognized this, but rich is a moving target. Because everybody thinks, well, that leaves me out. I'm not rich. Well, and, and I've never liked this. I've heard people say, well, you know, we're in the, if you're an American citizen, you are in the top like 5% of wealth in the world. Well, it's all relative to where you are. And, and, and so I, I've never liked that. But here's what I do know about rich. Rich is a moving target. If you ask, so there's a survey that was done. If you ask somebody that, that's making around $30,000 a year or less and ask them what it would take for them to be rich, they would say about $75,000. If I was making $75,000, I'd be rich. If you ask somebody who's making around $50,000 what that amount would be, they'd say, I need to be making about $100,000, then I'll be rich. If you ask somebody that was making $2 million a year, now to me, that's, that's rich. That's not bad. But do you know that those making $2 million a year don't think they're rich? 
they would need about $5 million a year for them to feel rich. Well, I guess so. I mean, really? And so rich is a moving target. And so that's why Paul says this. He says, he says tell those that are rich in this world's wealth to, be quit, to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money. Why? Why should we tell them that? Because this is a lesson we all know, which is here today and gone tomorrow. How many of you know that it seems like your money goes, and it's like, where did that go to? I thought I had something and it's gone. And that's why Jesus calls it the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitful, because riches make us feel like if I have enough, then I'll be secure and then I'll be happy. And I know some of you are like, well, just let me prove it out. I guarantee you if I had enough, I'd be happy and I'd feel secure. But rich is a moving target, and there's a deceitfulness that is attached to it. And so he goes on and he says, tell them, those that are rich in this world's goods, tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches that we could ever imagine. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How can me pursuing God, going after God, bring riches into my life? Now, let me just say this first of all, because I know that, again, everybody has an opinion about the church. And for some reason, people think that the church and the gospel and Jesus, that, 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 that we just want people to be poor. That God, this is not that church. All right? This is not that church. I don't believe necessarily that God wants anybody poor. I believe that God wants his church and his children and his people extremely blessed. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that with all of my heart. I really, really, really do. And I believe there's keys and laws and principles in the word of God that if we do them, then he will enable and bring those things to pass. He will bless us and he will prosper us. And sometimes blessing and prosperity isn't a check in the mailbox. It is the opportunity to work another shift. It's an opportunity to, to work overtime. It's, it's those kinds of opportunities. But everybody has an opinion about the church, what it's supposed to do, what it's supposed to be like. And he says that if we will go after God, he'll pile on all the riches that we could ever imagine. God has a name. He is El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. He's more than enough. He's, more, he's not El Chipo. He's not running out of stuff. There's not a recession in heaven. He wants us all incredibly blessed, but for a reason. And this is what he says. Tell them to go after God who piles on all of the riches that we could ever imagine to do good. Be rich in helping others. Be extravagantly generous. If they do that, and think about that, being extravagantly generous. Why should I be rich in doing good and being extravagantly generous to others? Because that's how God has been to me. He loved me when I was unlovely. He gave me grace when I didn't deserve it. He was merciful to me who deserved death. And because I've received all of that from him, therefore I should be that way towards others. So while we may not in our own eyes be rich, we may not have everything that we have, I believe this, that if we put God first, individually, but as a church, and if we're rich in good works, why do we drive all the way up to Thief River Falls, help a little church out? It's because God's been so good to us as a congregation. And yeah, it's a pain when you take out several people from our Sunday morning services, Pastor Tim and Teresa and a team of people. I mean, that, that makes a hole. 
but what it did for that congregation. And it might seem extreme and it might seem extravagant to bless a pastor and his wife with a vacation to someplace warm and sunny, but I guarantee you, the people in that church, they were so excited. Maybe it was just to get rid of them for a week, I don't know, but because but, I know that's how you guys are. Anyway, uh, so, but that, what, that, what that said to that couple was that, you know what? We see what you're doing here. And you may feel like nobody else notices. And you may feel like there's nothing, nobody that cares, but we want you to know we care. We want you to know that we love it. This congregation loves and cares. And so how do we practice being rich? We practice being rich by reflecting God's love and God's life in this world because that's what he's given to us. So we do good and we help others and we're extravagant. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, let us not get tired of doing what's good. Let's not get tired of it. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Joy Christian Center, we could stop right now and say, you know what, God, this has been a great ride. And we're blessed. We've got everything that we need. We've got people coming. We, you know, I mean, bills are paid and all those things. But I, I don't want to rest. I don't want to stop. And I don't think this congregation does either. We want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. And so we're going to continue to leverage the resources that we have, continue to leverage the, the blessings that God puts into our hands so that we can be a blessing to others, so they in turn can be a blessing to others. Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray this morning? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. I thank you once again for the heart and the life in this congregation. I thank you for the men and women who faithfully love and serve and give. I thank you for the gifts and the talents that you placed within this body. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the arc of faith that we see from somebody who walks into the doors of this church for the very first time and they hear a message and they're, they're, they're confronted with an experience with God that leaves an impression in them that causes them to change the direction of their life and to rearrange their priorities so that they be a blessing now to others as they've received the gift and blessing from you. They now give that gift and blessing to others. Thank you for that, Heavenly Father. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus, maybe you've been distracted by the things of this life, or maybe you thought the price was too high, that if you surrender your life to Jesus, then you're going to have to give up all kinds of stuff. But today you're realizing that grace is me just surrendering everything to him. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Brian, I, I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord, my Savior. I want to be born again today. Would you just slip your hand up real high? Just all over this congregation. I want to lead you in a quick prayer. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Just hold your hand up real high. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you all pray this prayer? Uh, those of you that raise your hands, uh, this is a prayer that we lead you in. It's really a confession of faith. So let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for what Jesus did for me. I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe he rose from the dead that he is now seated at your right hand. And today, I choose to accept Jesus as my Savior. I trust today 
that he forgives my sin. And I thank you for the new life that's on the inside of me. So Jesus, I thank you today. I'm your child. You're my father. And I thank you for those things. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, for these that have prayed this prayer for the first time, I thank you you've begun a miracle in them, that, that, that you have said that what you would begin in them, you would complete it, and I thank you for the completion of it. And, Father, I thank you that we as a church family, a church congregation, get to walk side by side with these that have made you the Lord of their life and help them, and we can encourage them, we can pray for them, and, Father, we can lead them, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so happy you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, we invite you to join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we'd love to hear about it. We invite you to email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.